Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my podcast, which are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing Protection Magic, binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to everythingimaginable2020.com and click on the PayPal button and you can donate there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Paulina Tenner. And she has written a book called Laid Bare, What the Business Leader Learned from the Stripper. Thank you for coming on today. Hello. It's such a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you so much. And um, welcome to everyone listening. Awesome. So how did you get into the stripping business? Oh, that's a good question. So, uh, yeah, on one hand, I've got quite a bit of a split identity. So I am um, an entrepreneur and an investor on one hand and a burlesque showgirl on the other. So it all happened because at some point I felt really burnt out and tired of running my business. And it felt like I spent most of the day in my head and this beautiful, juicy, rebellious, creative energy that used to be bursting out of me was somehow dying down and I felt uh, really sad I felt like I need to do something different I need to do something outrageous right away um, to wake up this force within me once again Um, and there was a particular day when I was having all these thoughts and I passed by a really um, used to be quite a well-known stripping venue in London called Café de Paris and I saw a fragment of a cabaret show rehearsal and burlesque girls in it. And I was like, oh, my God, um, I want to find out how to become one. And so I did. And the rest is history. Interesting. Is there a difference between burlesque and regular stripping? Absolutely, yes. So burlesque is an art form, really. It's not designed to arouse the viewer necessarily it's designed to kind of tease and titillate um, and can use all sorts of media so I always sing in my acts because I'm a good singer but there are people that bring in their skills such as a circus stand-up comedy um, dance of different kinds I've seen ballet acts um, I've seen operatic acts. It is just such a variety of burlesque there, and it encompasses so much. Um, for me, it's a never-ending adventure. I absolutely love it. Interesting. I have never been to a burlesque show. I mean, I've seen many strippers, and I've gotten to crabs a few times, but never been to a mm-hmm. burlesque show. Sounds interesting. Yeah, you should go. You should go. It's, it's you know, you're much more, I'd say, probably in power and in control as a strip take your clothes off and um kind of you're there 
a little bit at the mercy of the punter. And as a burlesque artist, you on this trip, if, if the audience deserves it, you kind of tease them and um, there's always a story to your act. It's not just about the strip, it's about the whole adventure and how you get there. Hmm. So, so what does your act consist of? So I've got several acts. Um, I always sing in my acts. I would take a popular song like Fever and um, change about the lyrics and make it about something completely different. So I transformed Fever into Cleaver and it, um, I kind of designed an act about murderesses and assass female assassins throughout the ages and how women wanted to take revenge on men and uh, uh, obviously did it in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way. Um, so I've got a frustrated housewife, then I have um, Sarina of Russia, Catherine II, then I have um, a female assassin, so like a Bond girl type character, and then I go back to the um, frustrated housewife. So I've got several costume changes on stage. So I've got like a layered costumes so I take off one layer and reveal another and it's yeah it's it's usually a very well received act actually audiences love it I can relate to that I've had many women try to kill me <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> us women we have some vengeful instincts yeah definitely so I get you I know I've been hitting the head with coffee mugs desk drawers oh my god um, guitars, you name it. I've been, women have hit me with it. Wow. You've had some interesting experiences in your life, that's for sure. Yeah. And some lot. interesting relationships, probably. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Um, so, can you sing for me? What would you like, what would you like to hear? <laughs> Whatever is coming to your mind. <laughs> Never knew how much she loved me. Never knew how much I cared. When he puts the toilet seat up, I get so angry that it's hard to bear. It gives me shivers. In the morning, oh, they're ridiculous sight. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's always good to have a, a little bit of a song in a podcast, I think. It <laughs> surprises people. It does. Um, so, how did the burlesque thing reinvigorate your entrepreneurship? Yeah, really good question. So, I would say that it kind of introduced a whole new layer or side to my leadership. So I used to be quite, you know, in my, what I would call, and what I call in the book, a masculine leadership or masculine energy, where I was very goal-oriented, driven, ambitious, a go-getter. So I was kind of always looking to get ahead. And my, what I call feminine leadership side, which is more curious, more about being in the moment, supposed to doing and getting ahead, was less developed. And I think what burlesque gave me, because it's so much about being in your body, 
and relating to the audience um, and really reading what's the energy between me and the viewers in the moment, like how can I amuse them. It really helped me develop as a leader and it changed me as a leader, I think, because of that integration of the feminine side um, into me and made me a more wholesome individual that's for sure and you know that all translated to um how i run my business as well so what kind of businesses do you run so i've got a business uh which is now over 50 people called grand tree we are working with technology businesses and we help them get government grants in the uk hmm. interesting um like, how does that work? Like, I don't even know what a grant is. Yeah, it's essentially a, you could call a, a subsidy from the government that you have to apply for and you have to meet a particular criteria and there's quite a lot of paperwork and there's quite a lot of um, back and forth and you, your pitch needs to be really good. So while a lot of people would love the money, they are not entirely sure how to submit a grant application, don't have time to do it. Um, and yeah, we're there to do it for them. Hmm. And we've raised over 200 million sterling for our clients in the last 11 years. Wow, so we've got a good track record. I didn't know that the government gave out money. Here, they just <laughs> take my money. I've never yeah, received money you. from my government. They just take yeah, it. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Hmm. So, so what is the purpose? Like, 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 why is the government giving these people money? To enhance economic activity, help business founders evolve more, um, evolve their products into more technologically advanced products. To uh, be one of the main kind of hubs of technological and scientific research and development in the world. So that's why. But why do they care about that? Like, how does um, that, how do they benefit? Because they don't do anything unless they're benefiting from it somehow. Yeah, for sure. So it enhances, again, enhances economic activity. So translates into more jobs being created translates into one of UK or whichever country is, but in this case, UK's position being better um, on the international scene as a country that's a technological and scientific hub of innovation. Um, yeah, creates more profits and effectively businesses pay ideally more taxes as a result of it. Hmm. Um, and how did you get into this business? I mean, you, you were into this before you got into the burlesque, correct? Yes, yes. So I got into this, I was running a different business with somebody else before, but we were working a lot with entrepreneurs and small businesses. And this is what we were doing. We were actually raising grants for them. We were helping connect them to investors. We are helping them find office space. So that's when I learned more about business funding in general, about the needs of small businesses, um, and yeah, 
ultimately when I decided to start another business, I wanted it to focus on grants specifically and helping people access them. So is that like mostly like filling out really long forms? Um, yes, not always really long, but um, there is a particular space and character count that you have to meet where you have to pitch your business really, really well because it's quite competitive, obviously, because it's free money. So um, people don't always know how to do it. Hmm. Well, I've, if I were filling out long forms, I would probably want to become a stripper too. <laughs> after, after a day I of looking, you, after, yeah. after, after a day of paperwork, taking off my clothes in front of a large group of people would seem like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I was quite serious and, as I say, quite in my head during the office hours. And when I was um, after hours, I wanted to do something fun and ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, yeah, amazing. And I actually recommend everyone who's looking to become a more wholesome leader to find out a weird hobby but something that really puts them back in their bodies something that really um helps them to feel things to be adventurous to be curious and kind of develop that side of yourself because that's how you become a more powerful leader and a more wholesome human being hmm. do you ever have any suggestions for um like like I wouldn't consider myself like I I just work alone, you know. I mm -hmm. I do everything myself. Um, do, would you have su suggestions for somebody like me? Um, that probably we we wouldn't be the best people to work with you because we specialize in technology mm -hmm. in the technology field. So we work with businesses that are innovative in the technological and scientific field. But I'm sure there are agencies and businesses out there that look at grants or individuals like yourself mm -hmm. so it might be a good idea to have research to do a research interesting on that. so what are some of the more interesting companies that you've had the opportunity to help get grants for have you ever had any unusual ones of course um plenty of interesting companies for example in the biotech space i've worked with a company that um, provides a self-testing kit for hiv uh, which is super complex but it's amazing that people these days can buy a test over a counter over the counter and test themselves in that way um, we've worked with companies that are working on cancer prevention and um, cancer diagnostics. Um, we've had many interesting businesses in the green technology space, environmental technologies, biofuels, for example, uh, waste to energy type technologies. So yeah, plenty of really interesting stuff. It's fascinating meeting all those people and founders of all these companies. That's so opposite of what's happening here in the United States. We're trying to mm. squash those industries. Oh, that's sad. Like they don't want 
any type of green industry or any type of alternative fuel industry or or even bio like biotech like all that stuff seems to be kind of getting squashed here in the u.s like they don't yeah. want it here because the yeah. you know the previous industries you know the oil the coal and all that that they, they they don't want to uh switch over to something else mm-hmm. i wonder why mm-hmm. it's so different there than it is here yeah well i guess over here you also see two sides of the picture so you see kind of a bit of encouragement but you also see you know people that are i mean that's the nature of entrepreneurship that you need to um deal with people against whose interest it is for you to disrupt a given industry so there'll be people that will lobby the government um i don't know oil and gas space for example for things to for green technologies emerging kind of technologies not to be adopted um so i guess yeah you're seeing a bit of both it just depends on like where you look for evidence you can see evidence of both i think Hmm. it's pretty cool though that you guys sort of encourage it you know i wish we'd see more of that here um Mm. when when you do these um like one of the things like like I'm thinking too that pops into mind like when you're doing burlesque it's about presentation when you're doing mm-hmm. these pitches for these businesses to get grants that is also presentation so yeah. so do you ever take something that's from your burlesque act and go oh maybe I could use this bit to present this or something from or the reverse way around yeah yeah absolutely so that's why you know the book is called the the subtitle is what the business leader learned from the stripper because there's there's a lot of things that can be translated so for example i learned to be comfortable with sticking out of the crowd um while being on stage um and that really is the essence of entrepreneurship as well you need to be comfortable with standing out with being different with being noticed being seen you need to crave that to an extent to run a successful business so definitely you know presentation absolutely uh you know the way for example you gauge the chemistry between you and the audience or you and the person you want to do a business deal with it's kind of similar it's all about you know how that relationship evolves and how it plays out um and i, I think doing business is fascinating because 80 percent of it is about relationships and chemistry between people and burlesque is definitely about the chemistry between you and the audience watching you hmm. have you ever had clients seek you out for your business for grants because you're a burlesque mm-hmm person or yeah really good idea uh, so actually i was to a to a point i was worried about people finding out etc that i'm a burlesque stripper and then at some point i just thought this is it like this is who i am this is the entirety of me take it or leave it i'm not going to be ashamed of it ashamed of it and i had some really actually surprisingly positive reactions from people so for example i got invited to participate in a prestigious uh panel 
uh, in my industry. Um, it's called Institute of Engineering and Technology, and the panel kind of advises the government on how to implement new policy. And it's kind of comprised of very senior people. I'm probably like the youngest and least experienced person there. And I had no idea how come they found me and sought me out to join the panel. And at some point I asked the chairman of the panel and he said that he saw my TEDx talk about burlesque and, <laughs> and business. So yeah, so it definitely has happened that it's attracted people to me. Has it repelled people? Possibly. Um, I can't think of specific examples. I wouldn't be surprised if some people don't necessarily like it, but um, that's who I am. Hmm. Do you do any mentorship? Like, do you mentor other entrepreneurs? Like, you've written a book, so that's, in a way, that's kind of mentorship of, of other people. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I do mentor. So, for example, um, I, I, I'm part of Tony Blair's uh, Cherry Blair Foundation, and it's all about experienced female founders and professionals mentoring um third world countries uh, we female founders from third world countries so i was i was uh, mentoring this this lady from india and as um i speak a lot about business funding about you know giving generic business advice yesterday i was speaking at a conference and actually it's interesting that you should mention that because i've come up with this offer which I'm now running um, until the launch of my book which is on the 26th of uh, November. Um, any entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur that buys the book, pre-orders the book and emails me, my email is me at paulinatenner.com um, with the screenshot of that pre-order, I'm happy to give you 30 minutes of your time to give you feedback on your pitch. Um, so that's something that I'm doing just in the run up to uh, my book launch. And even though my diary gets busy, I love talking to entrepreneurs and helping them. So um, that's something I'm doing at the moment. Oh, that's awesome. In fact, I can put that email address in the notes of this episode. So if anybody's interested, Please. they yeah. can do that for you. And get, get the yeah, yeah, minutes. just say that would be really cool. Meet at paulinatenner.com, and you can order the book from paulinatenner.com forward slash book, and that will take you directly to the Amazon uh, page. I mean, you will have a choice whether to go to Amazon UK or Amazon US. So, um, yeah, that would be great. Um, I might send you a quick paragraph to put in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah, I'll do that. So what was it like for you to go to write the book? You know, I mean, writing a book is a whole nother beast from business or anything else. Cause I, I mean, I know I've written a book and I know, for me, it was mm. kind of, I found it kind of um, know, tedious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually loved the process. I didn't like the editing of it so much. I love the creative process, the actually kind of forming, shaping the idea. I wrote a lot of content, some of it, some of which I didn't use, and I wrote the majority of it in the first three months since since I started and I decided I was going to do it. And that was just amazing. I honestly loved every second. I would wake up and just start typing on my laptop um 
I didn't like the editing as much because it was more, yeah, it was more about like giving the book its structure and it required some kind of quite a lot of like analytical thinking. Who's going to read it? Why they're going to read it? How to make it interesting for people? Um, And then, yeah, cutting out like big parts of what I wrote just to make sure it's actually relevant to the form of the book I decided to adopt so um but overall I definitely enjoyed it and it's not going to be my last book no what's the next book going to be about I'm not sure yet whether it's going to be about entrepreneurship or life but um or both uh, but we'll see I'm also you know quite interested in like tantric sexuality for example and it all obviously relates to burlesque and stripping as well so there's kind of yeah quite a few interesting hobbies that i have so tell me what was your book so, about so mine is called enlightenment guaranteed the only book on zen you'll ever need oh love it so tell me about the tantric stuff you know like i i've done a couple episodes on the connection between sex and spirituality and, yeah. and and just the flow of energy through a person's body and how it can manifest things in in the physical sort of so so what is your yeah. experience in the tantric uh stuff absolutely i think is sexuality is super connected to spirit and the spiritual world and it's all about being present to yourself to your partner everything um everything imaginable (laughs) (laughs) and your kind of consciousness can open in a very you know kind of fascinating way so i've had very interesting experiences with so there was a period of my life where i was pretty polyamorous so i'm married but we kind of were um wanting to experience other relationships and other partners so we did that Uh, and that was a fascinating adventure because i met so many interesting people and a lot of them were into tantra and some of them were into shamanism and i learned a lot from them not just about sexuality uh, but about relating in general so um fascinated by it i've done a few courses with a school which is um called easter international school of temple temple arts and there we do different rituals some of them connected to sexuality and spirituality. And um, it's a fascinating world. I love it. That is cool. Have you done any like BDSM kind of stuff? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've got a whole, I did a whole talk entrepreneurship and BDSM. And there is actually a, a chapter in my book called Entrepreneurship and BDSM as well. So I kind of drew analogies between like, what it's like to be an entrepreneur and then entrepreneurship is to a degree i feel about exploring your dark side because whatever is unresolved within you will show up in your business in one way or other and you know as one of my lovers pointed out uh kink or bdsm is like owned darkness so a place where we really discover kind of the darker sides of our being and integrate them so fascinating world as well met so many interesting people who are into the bdsm hmm. yeah wouldn't it be pretty cool if you could just flog your employees when you're angry at them yeah i mean 
Um, the best thing to do, and I would love to live in a world where we can actually implement that, would be to have like a dark room in the office where anybody can go, you know, and explore a sexual collection, connection with somebody else or themselves, you know, just a, a room which is like dark, nobody knows what, it, what what happens there, but people can use it because, you know, sexuality is so connected to creativity as well and to life force in general. So I think people that are more connected to their sexuality are happier in general. Mm. Definitely. And more productive. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think, um, like, do you think that like our society actually has some serious issues with sexuality, and that's one of the things that Massive. prevents us from 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 advancing in a positive way? Because all these people are walking around uptight and ashamed about their own desires. I mean, that's a kind of a hard. That's one of the things that always bothers me is when I see people. And I know they're ashamed about who they are or their desires. Yeah. And I don't think people should be ashamed of what they desire. Absolutely. So there's a whole... Sexuality is so ridden with shame uh, in our society. And that kind of comes from several things, from kind of... Um, social conditioning, religious conditioning... Um, and even if we feel that we're quite, you know, free and adventurous in our sexuality, like that baggage is somewhere there and we need to be aware of it. And um, it's beautiful to meet people who are truly liberated when it comes to sexuality, know what they like, know what they desire, they're in touch with their desires, they're fulfilling their desires. It's beautiful. Yeah. What about like body shame, you know? People are being self-conscious yeah. of their bodies, you know, like, you know, a man might be worried about his Johnson being too small and women are worried mm. about being too large. Any suggestions on how people can overcome those type of uh, yeah. um, insecurities and then use that to grow as a business person to be more confident? Beautiful. Yes. So I go watch burlesque because there are people of all sorts of shapes and sizes performing on stage and they're really fabulous and you'll see that body shape has nothing to do with actual charisma so i've met many performers that were actually bigger quite kind of busty big girls and they were absolutely fabulous on that stage uh, because they were really shining they're really owning uh, that space and i met some uh performers who looked like supermodels that weren't that very interesting on stage just because they didn't have that spark so it's you know it's all to do with what connection you can develop with the audience but also with the charisma that you innate charisma that you have as an artist and that has nothing to do with body shame and also um i think it helps to have a, have a variety of partners in our sexual life to see that people we're all different and our differences are beautiful and precious and it would be just so sad if we all looked the same and if our genitals all looked the same um, and it's kind of fun and beautiful to embrace our quirks and differences so um, I'd say to people explore yourself your own sexuality go to burlesque shows maybe strip shows is to see that 
people are all different and that's hmm. so do you think um the confidence that people gain from accepting their own sexuality will help them also in business and be more confident because Absolutely. people would be more attracted to that wouldn't they Absolutely. So there is um, a chapter in my book called The Whore in Business, where I talk about the archetype of the whore. So the one who is, because, you know, the archetype of a virgin is very present in our society uh, because of, you know, Virgin Mary and in general, you know, when women should be virtuous and kind and gentle. And that archetype is kind of prevalent. But not the archetype of the whore who is, you know, ludicrous and ravenous and in love with life and loud and rebellious. Um, and owning that side, particularly for us women, makes us so much more powerful leaders and makes us magnetic in the workplace and people can see it. Because sexuality is not just something that's limited to the bedroom. It's something that, when it's own, it really shines through you. And how does a person do that? How can a person bring their sexuality into the office and use it to their advantage? Mm. Yeah, so I think it all comes from being curious and being ready to explore your sexuality so that it kind of permeates your entire life so that sexual energy like in the tantra world it just kind of lives you live and breathe it it's within you pretty much all the time and then you become more electric and magnetic as a person um so it's about kind of really being in touch with who you are sexual sexually um Yes, your desires super important, your needs, what makes you tick, what makes you excited. Um, and practicing that so that you can radiate this beautiful kind of sexual energy no matter where you are. Hmm. So then you would say that it is, you know, I, again, I don't know how it really is there, but, but here in the United States, it's considered very inappropriate to be sexual at work or mm. in the office. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it, it, I don't know, but yet I don't know. Like, 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 do you think that? Like, you think people should be allowed to be more sexual and passionate at work rather than having to put themselves Good. in a like freaking and cage and? Absolutely. I think they should. And what I mean by that, it doesn't mean abusing people or, or prying on them or, I don't know, masturbating in front of people in the audience, in the, uh, sorry, in the office. It's not that at all. It's about being more in your body, feeling freaking delicious in your body and radiating that. It's about, you know, it's really sad. My American friends told me recently that it's like, a risk to even tell a woman a compliment at work. It is here. Because, exactly. And that's sad, you know, that's really sad. I think people should definitely be allowed and encouraged to be their whole selves, including their sexual selves um, at work. Yeah, it, it, it's awful. You can't tell a woman that she's beautiful. 
Exactly. Exactly. And it's like and then women I complain like, about like then people that. complain about feeling unappreciated. Well, it's like we're not really allowed to appreciate you. <laughs> I totally get you and I totally agree with you. I think it's really sad. And I hope that will change. And I understand that, you know, there's been the consequence of Me Too movement, etc. Uh, people are now more, more afraid to be kind of sensual and sexual in the work context, but I think there's a right balance, and we're definitely not there at the moment. Yeah, I, like I know even myself, I, I, you know, I've been in office situations where you know I may have been caught admiring a female for a little bit too long, and then sort of like feeling ashamed for it. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with admiration, you know, as long as you don't cross hair boundaries uh, while doing it. And it's actually beautiful and empowering to be appreciated as a woman and as a man or any other gender, really. Hmm. Why do you think that that is what why do you think it is the way it is now? Like, like what do you think caused the religion, society, people's shame, lack of confidence? Yeah. I think all of these things combined, yeah. So kind of um, social, religious conditioning, definitely. Uh, also the way we're being brought up in kind of like US and Western, Western civilization where there is a taboo surrounding sexuality between parents and children. Um, you know, it's a kind of knowledge that's not, unless you're a tantric priestess, but that it's not usually passed on and discussed and shared. It's, um, yeah, it's a taboo. Everybody has to kind of learn and discover for themselves. And people usually learn from porn and are ashamed that their bodies or genitals don't look like those that they see in porn movies. Um, and it's kind of, we learn about sexuality these days and how we compartmentalize it, I think. So how do we fix this? Hmm. I think talking about it is a good start, um, which is why I've got quite a few chapters sort of loosely relating to sexuality in my book. Um, and owning your own sexuality is a good start. And that, and that can be something as subtle as like wearing clothes that you feel really sexy in or more sexy than your usual office clothes. Um, or just enjoying your own sexual pleasure and owning it um, in the time that you enjoy it. And then, you know, that radiating through you later on when you in a work context or in any other context. So I think just let's own our own pleasure, definitely. So what is your pleasure? What is your personal mm -hmm pleasure what is it you enjoy the most about sex i really love the connection to the transcendental and how it can really transport me to places which are mysterious and mystical and fascinating um and i also totally love the connection with the partner that i feel how that that dynamic can change when you practice things like the DSM, how you can explore different sides of your identity and personality. Um, I love 
yeah, the whole discovery um, of yourself and or, you know, of your partner is endless and it's fascinating. Yeah, there's just so many things about sexuality that are, it's probably one of the greatest gifts that we we have and we've received as human beings. Mm. So what's your favorite thing about BDSM? Are, are you a, are you a sub? Are you a dom? Do you do both? Do you like yeah, tying people up? Yeah, I've done a bit of both. Yeah, I've done a bit of up? both. I've done a bit of both. I've had some photo shoots um, where I was suspended in midair um, by a shibari rigger. That's pretty so cool. A person who does this. Yeah, that's really cool. A person that does <laughs> tying, ties people up and suspends them in the air. And I've done a few photo shoots. I know somebody who is a good photographer and a rigger at the same time. Uh, so I love the kind of dynamic, um, again, between the partners, be it sub and dom or kind of any other dynamic that evolves. Um, again, yeah, fascinating. Um, so it would probably be that. And it could be the, the exploration, the, the fun of it, you would kind of, often get to wear many costumes i went to bdsm functions and parties where you would be dressed in leather or rubber or or dressed as a character and um kind of enjoying your sexuality from a very you know playful taboo side and i love that that is awesome um hmm. do you think that um you know when it comes to doms and subs do you think there are people that are strictly dom or strictly sub or do you think that 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 people really i i mean for me honestly i think most people to really be complete or really need to be kind of is, is more of a switch if, if somebody's just one mm. extreme that kind of would make me question them a little bit i've definitely met people who are you know, would not really want to explore the different side of the equation. So they are either very submissive or very dominating. Um, definitely met that. Um, has it made me suspicious? Not really. I think people have different preferences mm -hmm. and different things that they enjoy. Um, so I'm totally fine with that. Interesting. Um, how about group sex? Yeah. Experienced that as well. Yeah. Parties, functions, uh, very interesting again a very interesting world um i'm more into the t tantric temple type setups as opposed to like swingers parties where there's lots of alcohol and drugs and whatever i kind of like more conscious sexuality where people kind of get together and start playing and being sexual and it's it can be really beautiful and empowering <laughs> yeah i've definitely had plenty of really interesting experiences in that space yeah hmm. So what is your favorite thing about BDS, like uh, with BDSM, like sexually? Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any likes or dislikes, like um, like nipple clamps or? Um, I don't want to like be that. set on fire, so that's a boundary. Really? So, so, so do you? <laughs> I how about wax? Um, yeah, I've done wax. I've done a photo shoot with wax where I like burned myself because I. Put some so i was naked i had some candles on my body uh, and i was in a dark space so the photographer was kind of shooting me with the candles and the candles turned over on my belly and oh. still wax 
and that was painful because the way you're supposed to do it you gotta hold them up so the wax cools that, hold them that. up so that absolutely so it cools on the way down mm-hmm. so uh yeah that wasn't very pleasant but <laughs> it <laughs> happened and i've got some very cool pictures as a result <laughs> ice yeah. like ice is the one thing i don't like ice yeah it's okay from the point of view of like a sensation play but um twice no kind of more into probably bondage and spanking and things like that why is it that why do you think that spanking is so erotic like i find it like super erotic yeah uh and i think like i I know know, like some women like it, it drives them crazy like 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 they get mad at me if I want to spank them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly don't know. It's a really good question. I think there's something taboo there about kind of connection to, because we spank children. Obviously not many parents do it anymore, which is good. But there's something there about a connection to and shame and embarrassment and, I don't know, it's something so sensual and bodily about it oh god it's so difficult to say um why do you think people are into spanking <laughs> um i mean one is the sensation but but i think my like my, my my theory which may be completely mm-hmm. wrong and inappropriate is this kind of incestuous mm-hmm. interesting theory yeah so I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to take a lot of heat for saying that. I love it. I love a bit of controversy. Yeah. <laughs> um, fetishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do you think everybody has a fetish? Um, I think everybody has a darker side to their sexuality, which not many people own and express. But I think everybody has a kind of darker side to their sexuality. Although I I met people that that were massively into fetishes and I met people that were like totally not bothered by them. Um, So, yeah, it's difficult to say. Um, Yeah, it's just so many different people out there. Hmm. Do you have a fetish? I got tons of them. Great. (laughs) Too many. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> awesome. Or, or they can, I don't even know if I'll call them fetishes. Maybe they're more like likes, you know? Because yeah, like, 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 like they're not things yeah. I, I absolutely need or have to have. But they're, they're things that, you know, you know, I find them all irresistible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get you. Yeah. Get you. Yeah. How about you? Um... I'm not sure if, I, if there are things that are totally irresistible to me, but I've tried many different things. I've definitely been to kind of parties, for example, for foot fetishists, where you would get worshipped as a woman uh, coming there and like lick your toes and uh, massage your feet. And that's really nice. I'm not sure if I would find it irresistible, but it's quite nice to be worshipped in that way. Um, I've met people that are into rubber, leather, all sorts of toys, hoods, um, restriction of movement. Um, I used to date a guy who had his own human cage 
so I would put him in the cage and lock him up and like kind of tease him, light candles under him or like tease him in all sorts of ways. It was so much fun. <laughs> hmm. Do you have anything that you will not do? Like I'd have one, like the one thing I won't do is blood play. I can't do mm -hmm. it. How about you? Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't tried blood play. I will never feel particularly drawn to it. Uh, I definitely don't want anybody to poop on me. That that's definitely no no. <laughs> no poo. No, please don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are sports? Um, yeah, more open to it, definitely. Not massively into it, but open to it. Do you think that, that sometimes the more dirty something is, the more people want to do it? Oh for sure, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, the forbidden fruits taste best. Yeah, I think so too. I I, I think that, you know, and even again, it's, it's that dark side of the human nature that we 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 try to hide from it. Mm. And, and, and really, I think the the more we hide from it, actually, or or deny that part of ourselves, really, the worse it is for us psychologically. I think it makes us even like a a worse human being because I think by the by denying that dark side of ourselves. It cuts us off from some empathy. Yeah, yeah, it cuts us all, or cuts us off from our full potential as well. I believe, and also in the context of work, I think if we don't own our darkness and our sexuality, we just can't access our full life force and therefore our full potential. I really believe in that. Hmm. Have you ever had sex with other women? Of course, oh, love it. Excellent. Yeah, love it. All right. So like that's how my polyamory yeah. adventure started. <laughs> that you know, at some point, I became really attracted to women, and my husband was like, oh, "I'm not sure about this, but okay, maybe you try." And then, yeah, I was dating some women, and then we both decided to kind of open the relationship and explore other partnerships. Uh, so yeah, women are great. <laughs> I, <laughs> highly recommended. <laughs> Why do you think it's yeah. more? Well, at least here, it's, it's more acceptable for women to like other women than it is for men to like other men. Oh, yeah, I think that's social conditioning, and that's really quite sad that that much. I think we're all somewhere on the spectrum between bisexual and... Um, between sorry um homosexual and heterosexual we are all somewhere on that spectrum and lots of people would be quite close to bi had it not been for social conditioning which i think affects in particular men so um i haven't met i've met some men that are bisexual but very few compared to men that are either very hetero or very homo so um I think it's it's just a shame because there's just so much to be explored if you're an, interested in both genders. There's just so much to be, to be relished. Yeah. Right. Do, do you think that's why sometimes men are like bigger assholes than women? It's just because they can't accept their bisexuality. Possibly. I don't know. Most men that I've known get turned on by it. But <laughs> <laughs> I would then can't accept it. But uh, oh, well, women, like, maybe like, there like, is we a bit definitely... of jealousy somewhere there. Maybe mm -hmm. there is a bit of jealousy somewhere there. That kind of, I wish that world of bisexuality was open to me too, but it's not the case. So maybe, you know, it's almost like, you know, very often people who most repress homosexuals are 
actually homosexuals themselves. So maybe it's similar here that people who repress um, kind of bisexuality are those who like secretly would really love to explore that too. Hmm. Who gives better cunnilingus, a man or a woman? Hmm. Um, it really depends on the individual. But kiss is very different. Uh, it's like with a, with a woman, it's kind of softer. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, I would say oral play, it depends on the individual and how kind of skilled and conscious and tuned into their partner they are. Hmm. Do you, do you have a preference of men or women? Um, it's difficult to say. I've, I've been with most, I've mostly been with men all my life. Um, I haven't been with women enough to really say whether I like both equally. I've definitely enjoyed experimenting with women. Would I want to be in a serious kind of like long term relationship with a woman? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, not sure. I just haven't been there. Maybe I will at some point in life. Who knows? Hmm. Have you ever dominated a woman? Yeah, I think so. I'm just trying to kind of quickly scan through my interesting experiences in my head. But yeah, I think so. I think it's really interesting to have that homosexual relationship because then it makes you more different and there's greater polarity if one of you is more submissive and one of you is more dominating. What is your ultimate fantasy that you've yet to oh, live God. out? It's so difficult to say because like I had so many that have actually been lived out. Mm -hmm. It's so difficult to say whether I've got like something right now that's like, oh my God, I want to do it. I want to do it. Um, I want to, I do have a fantasy about kind of this ritualistic um, initiation type sexual experience with maybe several men and a woman as well. That sounds pretty hot. It's kind of like an mm -hmm. eyes wide shut type of thing. Yeah, something like that maybe, but more like with some with like having sex with some partners that are like so much more conscious and evolved as beings than I am and can kind of give something of that to me in that sexual experience. What is the most spiritual thing that you've ever felt or or experienced during sex? I felt that I am kind of, it will sound really cheesy when I talk about it like that. I'll talk about it anyway, but it made complete sense in the moment. It felt like I was kind of part of this river of love flowing through the universe and that I all I wanted to do with my life was to serve, to contribute to be, you know, somehow, yeah, a drop in that giant river of love flowing through the universe. So I felt that I felt kind of connected to a higher power. In my one experience, I felt once as if my partner was fucking my head, it felt like I the sexual experience was mostly in my crown chakra. And that felt fascinating. Um, yeah, so quite a few, actually, yeah. Hmm. Have you ever entered subspace? 
Um, what do you what do you mean by that? Um, subspace, you know, is a term that that I way I understand it is like if you're um, if you're tied up and being flogged or something in the sensation, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, sort of you sort of you sort of yeah. leave your body and have an experience outside an out of body experience as a result of the repetition and hypnotic state, hypnotic mm-hmm. trance. Um, maybe not like that, but I've had interesting experiences in like group ritual situations where we weren't like having sex together, but we were doing some kind of ritual and it felt like it took us all to a higher plane. So something like that, yes. So what are some of the, where do you even find tantric sex rituals? Hello. Hey. Can you hear me? Oh, there are some, there's some just really big delays at the moment. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh, yeah, I can hear you. I yeah. think your screen is still frozen, but I can hear you. I can hear you, yeah. Okay. Well, I, was, I was asking, like, like, how do you find some of these tantric um, rituals? And how do you even connect with people that will do them with you? Can you hear me? Hmm. Your screen's moving. Hello? Hello? Um... Yeah. The... Can you hear me? Hello? I think you're back now. Yeah, you're back now. Back. Yeah, there was just a period of time. We'll need to edit this out probably. It'll, ha- it'll edit it out automatically. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so so I was asking, like, like, where do you get these tantric rituals from? Do you get them from something like the Kama Sutra, so, yeah, so- stuff like that? Yes, there is this school that I've been, I've done several courses with called International School of Temple Art, ISTA. And if you want to check it out, you're listening, you want to check it out, go to ISTA.live. And they have courses all over the world and they do kind of all sorts of rituals, some of them connected to sexuality, which are fascinating. Um, So from, yeah, from tantric schools and events that I've attended. Hmm. And... How do you organize the ritual? Do you do it with the people from the school, or do you just, you know, get yeah, co- I typically or do you invite people who are hire, in some hire way your employees. In some... <laughs> 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 no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't probably cross that boundary too much because you know it can be risky. Um, but um, I, yeah, so we would have gatherings of people that have been to similar courses and have similar interests and similar knowledge. So that's something we definitely do, yeah. Hmm. What do you think of prostitution? Do you think prostitution should be legal? Yes. Why do you think it's illegal? I think Ill- it should be. Why do you think it's illegal? Think, um, again, because of stigma surrounding sex and sexual work. But it's been with us, you know, since the ancient times that were... Um, sexual priestesses and they were uh, there were concubines and there were you know every culture every civilization in, across the globe had their own form of sexual healing work and I think that it should be legalized and that sex workers should be more protected and cared for and it sh- shouldn't be a social stigma for example, there is a, a lady that uh, endorsed my book. It's actually her quote is on the back cover. She's called Cindy Gallup, and she has this website called makelovenotporn.com. And she, her mission is to socialize sex. So for like 
to for sex work to be as accepted as you know being an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor and she has several like couples and individuals that love um filming their sexual activities and sharing them with other people and make money from it so it's pretty cool <laughs> i love it that is cool you're gonna have to send me some of these links so i can post them in the notes and maybe if you could connect me with her i'd love to have her as a guest yeah, because, let me. Um, that's really interesting. Next time I speak to her, yeah. You know, because that kind of like what this podcast is all about is sort of like making people curious and giving them information that they may not be aware of, you know, and to try mm. things. Because I'm all about, you know, open mindedness. Yeah, open mindedness yeah. and experimentation. Um, you know, because sure. I can't, I don't, my goal is like, I don't want to tell people what to believe, but. Maybe by having experiences, they can figure things out themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be fantastic. Mm. Um, so, before we wrap this up, where's the best place for my listeners to find you and get your book once it's out? And I'll also put that email in the notes, too, so they can send you that screenshot. Yeah, of course. So my personal website is Paulina Tenner. That's like 10 bucks, T-E-N-N-E-R dot com. And um, you can order my book. Um, you can either search for it on Amazon or you can simply type in Paulina Tenner dot com slash book. And that will take you to a relevant page. Um, as I said before, I would be delighted to have some interesting conversations with entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. And because I've worked with entrepreneurs all my working life, um, I currently have an offer where, whereby any entrepreneur that pre-orders my book and emails me the screenshot, um, I will give 30 minutes of my time to just to give them feedback on their pitch or discuss their idea um, or whatever kind of problems connected to their startup they're going through. My email is me at paulinatenner.com. So all quite simple. Um, and I am at Paulina Tenner on all social media, really. So uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, uh, Facebook as well. So it's quite easy to find me. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll post the links in the notes of this episode so my listeners can find you and maybe send you some emails of proving that they've pre-ordered your book. Yes, that would be, they would be very, very welcome and look forward to hearing from entrepreneurs in the U.S. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this was a lot of fun and hang on. I agree. I enjoyed <laughs> myself tremendously. And hang on for one moment while I play the outro. Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book 
listen to today.